0: Well, good morning, Dublin Bible Church. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Better. Better. Awesome. Hey, that's better than bad. <laughs> yeah, so. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Shane Preston. Uh, I'm a deacon here at Dublin Bible Church, and um, I'm honored to be able to bring the word to you today. Uh, I get to do this, yeah, you know, I guess about once a year. I guess last time it's been about 10 months. And as I was preparing for the sermon, I found out that there was... Not just going to be one pastor, but now there's two. Now I'm looking out and I'm sitting here going, holy cow. There are four pastors <laughs> sitting sitting in the audience. So, all right. If y'all see me do this, I'm tagging one of y'all in, okay? <laughs> I don't care who it is. I'm tagging one of y'all in. And if I don't have to, Jason, you can use this next week to, uh, to dry off. <laughs> Uh, but y'all, I really am I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to be able to uh, Speak to you today And we're going to continue um, our, our study in Philippians On happy Happy question mark Happy dot 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 Happy exclamation points And uh, The main theme is joy And You know, last week it starts off with Paul saying, Rejoice in the Lord. In the very first verse of chapter 3. And here we are starting off, and I love because he says, Finally, and it's like it's, he's ending, he got into all that last week, but finally, rejoice in the Lord. He's he's reminding us to rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. It is safe for you. And that's actually kind of our our church-wide memory verse. Um, But then he he continues. So last week, you know, he's talking about faith in ourselves, that it's not there. We have to have faith in the Lord. Okay? No matter what your accomplishments, no matter what your past, it's faith in the Lord. And we can rejoice in that because it is safe. And that is such a blessing. Now, we're going to be in... uh, Philippians 3, starting in verse 12, we're going to do 12 through 16, and, whoops, fail. Jason has been using the ESV version, and I have NIV, so I figured I would at least continue with the ESV for part of it, at least what I'm going to be doing, and, uh, you know, I apologize. Okay. Okay. What I want to do is I'm going to start, I'm just going to read straight through it, and then we're going to start kind of breaking some of these verses down. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Before we get started, I just need to pray. I need to pray for a calm. I need to pray that God's going to give me the words. And then I'm going to pray over us. Father, I come to you um, humbled, nervous. And I just want to lift that up to you, Lord. Just that I would, uh, my words would be honoring to you. That they would be true. And that you would just give me the peace that I need as as I speak this morning. And Lord, I also just want to pray for for us as a, as a church. I know we come in with with things heavy on our minds sometimes, distractions, hurts, rushed, whatever it may be, Lord. And I just pray for. The next 30 minutes or so, that, that you would just, just help us focus on, on what's important, which, which is Jesus. Help us uh, be, be attentive to the, to the Holy Spirit, that you would, that he would guide us in the fact that maybe there's something here that we need, and Lord, that we could hear that, and Lord, just give us the strength to apply it. I praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, first things first. Now, I'm going to ruffle some feathers, but not in a bad way, in a sporting way. Monday, hey, Georgia national champions, what do you think about that? Two times. All right, y'all, I love football. I love college football, and I especially love my Georgia Bulldog football. And I know we've got several in here that are kind of scowling right now, maybe a little ticked off. I don't know. But you know what? Man, two years in a row, in the championship series, only one of the teams has ever done it. And I think most of you all probably know who follow football, who that is, and that's that's Alabama. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> no, they didn't. Surprise. Um, but do you know who was a coach during that two time series for Alabama? Kirby Smart. Now, y'all, do you, if you've never played football, you have to, to keep this in mind how hard it is to build a team. You have to go out as a coach and you have to find your players. And your players are very specific. Each position is very specific. And it is very, very difficult to find the player that matches your system that can produce. Not only that, but then you've got to find a player that can sit behind that guy so that somebody else can come in. If that player gets tired or injured. Well, guess what? You may have to do that again at the same position. Man. All right. Kirby has done it. And, man, that is just... It's incredible to think that a coach has has accomplished that much in that short of a time. But it's the team, okay? The coach picks the players, and the players play for that coach. And that's kind of basically where we're going to get started. Because that's kind of basically what Jesus is doing for us in these next few verses. And Paul is, is teaching us that. Now, like I said, now we're going to start kind of start breaking some of these verses down. And in 12, he says, not that I have already tamed this or am perfect. So in the first part of this verse, what Paul's saying is that he's not complete. He's not complete, okay? Um, now, we've got to take in, in mind that this man has been a Christian for, we know, at least 25 years, his conversion, And he has been a Jew since birth, and he has been a Pharisee, which would be a top leader. And he has all these accomplishments. And he's still serving Jesus. Now he's actually serving Jesus for the last 25 years. And he's going, I'm not complete. Now, y'all, this would be the captain of the football team. Not the coach, but the captain. Paul uses a lot of racing metaphors. I'm not very familiar with racing. You want to talk about racing? We got Chad, we've got AJ, that's just not my thing. I'm not running anymore. My football, well, my running days are over. I hurt too bad. <clears throat> so just want to point that out as we continue. But you know, he's he's going, hey, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. You know, it's just, hey, look, I'm not complete but I press on. Now, I want to stop there for just a second. What he's saying when he says he's pressing on is that he is following after or he is pursuing Jesus, okay? It is a continuous pursuit. So he's going, hey, I'm not complete, and this is why, because I am pursuing Jesus. And then he's going to tell us why but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Paul recognizes something very, very important there. What he's done is he's recognized that Jesus has called him to himself. And he's reminding the church in Philippi, hey, this is not me, okay? I'm doing this for a reason. The coach has called me in. So I'm doing this because Jesus bought me. Some translations say lay hold of. And what that is, that's an intensified word that means to apprehend or seize. Now I want you all to really kind of hone in on this because this is is strong stuff, man. To apprehend or seize something after pursuit. Jesus pursued Paul. The same word is used in Mark nine eighteen. It's used of a demon throwing the, the young boy down. That's how strong this word is, okay? I want you to kind of picture this. A police officer is chasing, let's just say a robber. When he grabs him and he takes him down, he is going to hold him tight. He is not going to let him go, is he? Because if he does, what happens? He gets away. He is going to keep him down tightly. He's going to hold him to make sure that he doesn't get away. So for that reason, Paul says he's running the race the way he does because of how Jesus holds him. He holds him that tight. If you're a Christian, that's how he holds you. He's got you. He's got you. Isn't that just a, a piece of That you can feel, no matter what you do, Jesus has you. That is such, I mean, it's such a, for those of us, when we fail, to know that Jesus is not going to just release us. For us to be on our own, just to get away. That's not how it works. Jesus has a hold on us. And he calls us to himself. He has made us his own. Most importantly, he has plans for us. He has plans. He has put Paul in a race. So, as an example, when I was talking about coaching, picking players, there are all kinds of different players. There's quarterback, there's running backs, there's tight ends, different Positions on the offensive line, defensive line, cornerbacks, wide receivers, whatever. But there's also the long snapper. How often do we actually get here about, do we talk about a long snapper in football? You know, a lot of those guys actually have scholarships. And that's all they do is snap. In the NFL, a lot of times there is one particular guy on a 53-man roster that is paid to long snap. All of our positions in this world are different. Christian, hear me. We all have different responsibilities. God is using you in different ways. So we can never compare ourselves to others. That should be an encouragement. I want y'all to understand that that is an encouragement. That we don't have to do what the other guy's doing. Because God has called us to an individual race. So. He knows the way that he's going to use us. And he knows that he has plans for us and what he's going to do with us. And y'all, that again should make you rejoice in the fact, hey, all right, I may not be in this race quite the way I need to be. But man, he has plans for me. He's got a hold of me. He's holding me. Man, he's there for me. He's with me. And he has the plans. I just have to play. In 13... He says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. What he's saying there is he has not achieved the goal set before him yet. He's just going, Hey, I just ain't achieved the goal, but I'm I'm running. But one thing, but he's going, Hey, I want y'all to pay attention here. This is how. We're supposed to do it. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, we know earlier in verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about his past. So he's not specifically saying, hey, just just blot everything out. Forget everything that you've done or that's happened to you. He's just kind of going, hey, this is not who you are. I kind of want to get a little bit deeper into this. What he's doing is he's putting his past achievements and failures behind him. Um, it's kind of like a rearview mirror in a car, okay? When you're driving forward, you don't drive looking in the rearview mirror or the sideview mirrors. If you do, you're going to get in an accident. But we use our rearview mirror and our side view mirrors to protect us. If we have a habit that God has maybe freed us from or, or is trying to free us from, he's going, hey, you're going to be okay. Yes, that's your past. And I need you to kind of put it behind you. But it's, it's still part of you. But it's not who you are. We've all failed. And, I'm pro- and the thing about it is when we're called to Christ, Everybody's situation is different. Different ages. Different backgrounds. But when we surrender our life to Jesus, He's making us new. But we still have a past. Tomorrow, I'm going to have a past of today. A week from now, I'm going to have another past. We can use this to help guide us to not continue to stay in the same mistakes that we've lived in in the past. Not only that, but we can also help others who might be going through things that we've went through in the past. So when he says, forgetting what lies behind, he's not talking about just blot it out and it's gone. Okay, I just want, I want to be real clear because sometimes we think that, oh, I'm just supposed to forget everything that I've done, and it's okay. That's not true. because That's part of what makes you you. So forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Man, okay, straining forward is, is a again very strong emphasis. Going back to football. I told y'all I love football, and since Monday was a national championship, I might as well just get on that train and use it. Um, f- fourth and goal, you've got to score to either tie the ball game or win the ball. But you've got to score. The offensive line has to block the defensive line and linebackers, or who else, whoever else. Everybody's got to block. One man's going to get the ball. Running back gets the ball. The pressure, we call football a contact sport, but it's actually a collision sport. <laughs> Let's just be honest. Contact is, ah, <laughs> I made contact with it, but that's not what. Football is the amount of pressure 300-pound men can make between each other has got to be enormous. Luckily, I've never found out and bed in between them. But there's a wall there. That running back gets the ball. He hits the hole, and he's straining the amount he's churning his feet, he's leaning in. Every muscle in his body is trying to get to the goal. Every muscle. And he's churning, and he's trying, and everybody is working in unison to try to get to that goal. So that's what, I want you to think of straining forward. It's, It's that intense. Paul's actually using a racing metaphor, and he's still talking about straining. He's talking about every muscle, every fiber in his body is going forward to reach the goal. And he's not looking back. What happens when we look back? We get distracted. We slow down. Whatever it may be, he's going. He's, his focus is on the goal. So that's what Paul's talking about, straining forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? That is the goal. We have a goal. So Paul's focus is in what's in front of him And how God's going to use him now and in the future. And that's the way that we as Christians should look at at our life. We have to focus on on the goal. And what, what it is that Jesus wants us to do. In 14, he goes, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's pursuing, pressing on, he's pursuing the goal. So, right now, he's going, why, in 13, why am I forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead? He's telling us now, he goes, I am pressing on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is to complete, in Paul's terms, the race, the game. Not just complete it, but complete it in a victorious fashion. In 1 Corinthians nine twenty four, do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize run in such a way to get as to get the prize everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last he's talking about a regular race but we do it to get a crown that will last forever a crown that will last forever Eternal salvation. To be with our King Jesus in heaven. To participate in his work today. With him. But be with him eternally in heaven. Y'all, that is... I can't even picture how glorious that's going to be. In 1 Timothy 6, 12... He goes, fight the good fight of of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in 19, he says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So what are we pressing forward to? As far as the goal. Those are the things that we're pressing forward to. Eternal salvation. And during that time. If we're in the race with Jesus. And we're doing what he's calling us to do. We're going. We are going. To affect others lives. That is. What Jesus is wanting us to do. We don't know how we're going to do it. Some of us. We have pastors and we have lead pastors in here. They do it. Right here. They do it off the stage. That is what they do. Some of us, it's going to be maybe patting them on somebody on the shoulder that's hurting. Giving them a hug. An encouraging word. Some of us are going to play music. Some of us are going to run slides. and Some of us are going to welcome people. Some of us are going to hug and kiss on babies. Some of us are going to Deal with teenagers. Some of us are going to. Some of us are going to. Some of us are going to. I don't know. God is going to use you in a special way. If you allow him to. And that's what's. So important about what we're talking about here. And you know what. There is joy in that. Philippians is. The book of joy. We can rejoice in what God has for us to do. We already have the gift of salvation if you're saved. We are going to heaven and there should be joy in that fact. In 15, he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. All right. My idea of maturity. Baby. Toddler. Baby can't communicate. Squeals, hollers, messes itself. (laughs) Toddler. Talks gibberish with words. Messes itself sometimes. (laughs) Then, all right, we get, you know, out of the toddler stage, and then we have to deal with kids. (laughs) Whatever age. Up until the time and I'm going to use guys as a reference, because I am one. We get peach fuzz under our armpits and have to use deodorant every day. And then the guys start getting scrubble. Maybe get the little pencil line on the the mustache. Then we Get out of high school, and now we're going to go to work. And then, if you're like me, you get a little, little touch of gray in the beard. Uh, <laughs> and you start hurting in places that you didn't know you had. And then eventually you get to where you're on a walker, maybe. All right, so, you know, different stage, maturity. But, y'all, that's natural maturity. Spiritually, we don't just mature like that. There is, there are intentional things that we have to do to mature spiritually, and and that's so when when we talk about let let those of us who are mature think this way. He's going, hey, are you spiritually mature? He is. He's kind of going, hey. Probably some of them aren't. We see this all the time in churches, people that have have been saved for years and years and years and years, have never grown spiritually. Because he's pointing back to what he's just said. He's pointing back going, hey, the one thing that I do, this is is a rule. I hate to say rule because it always sounds kind of stringent, but he's going, hey, use this as as a playbook. This is your playbook forget what lies behind, and strain forward to what lies ahead. Maturity, spiritually, is growth. It is always growth. It's what Paul was saying earlier about, hey, I am not perfect. I'm always growing. I'm always pushing forward. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to go, hey, all right, I've made it. I've made it. Because if anybody could say I've made it, Paul, uh, hey, if we think of a general with a chest full of medals in the Christian world, that would be Paul. He he would be one of the most decorated in history. But he's going, hey, uh, uh-uh. we gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta keep going. Jesus has grabbed hold of me. He has put me in this race, and I'm I'm going, I'm going that way. I'm going with Jesus. Because he's got me, not because of anything that I've done. He's got me. So if he's growing, he's he's going. Hey, if you're mature, I want you to think this way. I want you to go. Hey, we're going to put stuff behind us, and we're going to strain forward. Now, how do you know? Maybe you're kind of going. Well, how, you know, how how can I judge myself if I'm much. A mature Christian? Or am I a maturing Christian? Two things, empathy and humility. If we're going to be like Jesus, we have to think what Jesus did for us. Y'all, he is a king on the throne and he's looking at his creation and he's going, there's one thing, one thing that can bring them into my presence, into my Father's house that is me dying, shedding my blood and my resurrection to have us to Him. He loved us enough to leave heaven, being surrounded by angels singing His praise and His glory day in, day out. And He humbled Himself come here to take on the beating the tearing of his flesh the cross the humiliation the death the separation from his father that had never happened before he had always been with our father in heaven and when he took on our sins He was no longer there. I want you to think just how much that had to hurt. We probably will never be able to understand it. But it just try. Mm. But with empathy towards others and humility, we're going to have a growth in love for one another our neighbor. That's how we know that we are maturing. I had a situation um, when we talk about maturity, and and this is where somebody owed me a lot of money, and I was pursuing uh, the avenue of possibly suing. Thank God we have elders that, that care. They came to me and said, Shane, hey, now I've read the New Testament four or five times completely through, not including whatever I've studied. And they said, hey, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 6, about the first 12, 15 verses. I read it. This man that I was going to sue was a brother in Christ. Now, I had to take on two things. I had two options. I had to be humble or I had to try to get my money. And thank God, like I said, that we have elders and deacons and other members here that care for others because they can step into your life. They can step in, and if you're humble, you'll accept it. If somebody's hurting and you reach out, that's showing empathy. If you hurt with them, if you pray for others, that is empathy. So I just want you, want you to know what that looks like. And through that, our love of others grows. In, in 15, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. So he's just saying if you don't agree with it or you don't understand it, God is going to guide you to this thinking as long as we are pursuing Jesus. If you're not pursuing Jesus, you're not going to get it. Let us hold true to what we have attained. We've been made new. These are things that we have attained. So let's live like we know we should. He's going let us hold true to what we have attained well how do you do that you got (laughs) you got to live like jesus to the best of your ability as we grow and as we mature we will be more like jesus we have to do kind of what's right in god's eyes i was about to fail and do something that was wrong in god's eyes he does not want me suing a brother in christ And I didn't, but if it hadn't been for others stepping in and God working in my life, that probably could have gone sideways. And what we've attained is freedom from sin. Man, that's powerful. I've got a long, long list in my past, y'all. I've made a lot, a lot of poor decisions. I have hurt a lot of people. And I am not proud of it. And it's not that I'm not going to fail again. But with Jesus, me being on his team because he picked me, I do have freedom from sin, I have eternal salvation. I get to spend eternity in heaven. So what does this look like? All right, we're fixing to wrap all this up, and this will be quick. One, we got to enter the game, Christian. If you're not in the game, let's get in it. God's called you. We've already talked about it. Man, this is awesome. He picked you. He didn't just say, You're saved. Go do your thing. He said, I have something for you to accomplish. So the first thing, and like I said, I know it sounds obvious, but we got to get in the game. Number two, we have to have the right attitude. This is something that I see Christians fail out miserably. Christians have a tendency to have a critical spirit you don't know what that is, (laughs) it is somebody that has a problem for every solution. Not a solution for every problem, the opposite. I have a problem for every solution. I think unfortunately, we all can identify somebody that we have met in the past that calls himself a Christian and has this attitude. Christian. If you go out to eat today, be nice to your server. Tip them well. (laughs) Do not be a critical spirit. Where's my tea? I'm out of tea. I need more ice. It's not that we shouldn't have more tea if we run out of tea. It's how we come across to people. And if we have the right attitude, we're going to have a joyful attitude. I want to be happy, don't you? Who in here wants to be miserable? Miserable people make other people miserable. A Christian should never make somebody miserable. Unless they're, they're loving them so much that it makes that person angry. Quit loving me. That's the only time you should ever have a frustrated attitude non-christian, is if you love them too well. And I don't think you can love somebody too well. We're going to have to have a long-haul attitude. Now, long-haul, when we're talking about sports, means you got to get in shape. (laughs) Okay, so this is not something you're just going to jump up and do. To have a good attitude and to be in a race, it's going to take a while. We're going to have to Figure out what God wants us to do. we got to pray about it. We need to be in God's Word. Maybe it's even talk to other Christians. Hey, you know, I, I don't, I'm not sure where, where I need to be. I, I, I don't know what God's calling me to do. I, that is an excellent question to have for another Christian. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying this is, sometimes we have to ask, and it's okay. Guess what that is? Humility. God calls us to be humble. And don't have an I have arrived attitude. That's when you go, that guy right there, that girl right there, eh, why are they here? Why are they in my seat? It's almost like you have stopped growing. In a race, if there are multiple runners, and you stop before the goal, you will lose. Well, that's basically all I'm saying. Don't have that attitude. Paul didn't have that attitude. Paul said, I am pressing Oh, I am going forward. Follow me. I'm, I'm giving you a guideline to do that. So, that is moving ahead from the past, not living in the past, looking at our future and being forward focused. So, if there is a goal and we got to get to it, we got to have a plan. We also got to know what we're doing. The only thing that I can tell you is I don't know what each of our purposes is. But I encourage you strongly, Christian, if you don't know what your purpose is, get get in God's word. Please, pray and pray and pray until you figure it out. Volunteer. Figure something out. Number three is give the proper effort. Now, we're not earning our way to heaven. I want to be very, very clear. We need a balance of God's word here. Some say God is sovereign, and we don't need to do anything. That is false. Others say it's all up to us. That is false. Now, what Scripture does say is that God is in work in you. God is at work in you. So we work. So it's not a this is a both and not an either or. So God is sovereign. Yes, he is sovereign. And we don't need to do anything, it's wrong. And it's all up to us. No. We get to plant seeds. Maybe we get to water. God grows. So it's not all up to us. There is a little bit of truth in both of those phrases. That's why I say it's an it's an and both, not an either or. And like I said, our example is Paul was pressing on, and he was reaching towards a goal. Christian, I encourage you just to just to get in the race. Start praying if you don't know what to do. And you don't know how to get on track and figure out what God's wanting you to do. Man because Jesus is worth it if he has come here to save you and he has grabbed hold of you and he has put you on his team and he's going hey I have a plan for you and I'm going to be with you I'm holding you I am holding you like a police officer holds a thief you are not getting away from me And I am the winning coach. You will not lose. Why would you not participate when the coach calls you in This Jesus Christ? Church, I love you. I implore you. Let's, let's, Let's all get in. There are churches all over the world and we need the forward focus, to have joy in our life by getting in on God's team and working for him.